0: Them tip you. dot you.com the podcast about pop culture, black history and spirituality. Yeah it's about to be a great vibe. Dr. Tip gonna take it away. till' Tip told you. Oh, hey, it's your girl, Tip. Welcome to another edition of Tell Them Tip Told You, the podcast where I share with you all my musings about Black history, Black culture, and Black spirituality. Listen, today's episode is a little bit different. I have a guest today. So I'm going to hold off on giving you my ideas and thoughts about Sidney Poitier, Betty White, Bob Saget, and what their, you know, the old people say deaths come in threes. So there are our three, but I think they come, their deaths should be telling us something about life. Um, And I want to wax poetic on that next week. But, you know, I have a treat for you. I have a friend of mine uh, here to share with you about her new book project. And I know you guys are going to enjoy this conversation. So let's just jump right in, all right? I want to thank Christina Hamlet for joining us today. I'm so excited, Christina, to see you and to have you here. Now, I'm I'm selfish because y'all don't see the image, but at least I have her on my screen. And I have it on good faith that she's going to have the video on her website. But thank you for joining us
1: today. Thank you for having me, Tiffany. I'm so happy to be here.
0: I want to give y'all a backstory of how Christina and I met. And then we're going to jump into my favorite piece in the book. Um, So Christina and I met at the U- university of alabama in tuscaloosa and i think that was in 2018 both of us were part of robin boy um
1: what was it called the uh digital storytelling yeah this digital storytelling project for women i uh, think storytelling project for women ah you're right i don't have the whole title <laughs> down either way i thought i did um I now it, i know i don't think
0: i do Um, But it ended up being, so it was supposed to be, for me at least, it was supposed to be this uh, workshop to facilitate my methodology of storytelling and my pedagogy and learn some techniques and tricks for digital storytelling. And it ended up being so much more. It ended up being a spiritual retreat, a conversion, a baptism, all of the above, a reunion of people who had never met, but it felt like a reunion. So that's how Christina and I met, and I am so excited that she's here to talk about She Lives Here, her latest book. Um, and Christina, just, just tell us a little bit about yourself, and then I want to jump into my favorite.
1: Sure, absolutely. Uh, so I, uh, I'll start where I live. I'm in Richmond, Virginia, I'm New York native born to Haitian parents. Um, Very, very proud, Okay, so, um, but I am a writer, poet, storyteller, uh, workshop facilitator, and I also work in human services with um, citizens returning home from jail and prison, both men and women. Uh, So that's my nonprofit work that I love to do. Um, Can't get away from human services work, I still love it. Uh, So that's what I do, that's where I live, um, what I love. And I'm um, married to the absolute love of my life, my best friend, my diary, my Jeff. So, <laughs>
0: that, makes, yes. that makes me blush.
1: <laughs> yeah. <no. laughs> we all are able, Christina. We all know. <laughs> <able. laughs> Took me a minute to get there. I couldn't get there if I was 21, 22. I had to be 30 when I met him. So, yeah. I had to be. I always say that. Yeah. yeah.
0: That's beautiful. Y'all should see Christina's face as she's talking about him because she just lit up like two more. <laughs> uh levels but Kristen I didn't know you were Haitian how did I not know that yeah
1: it, it's it's all over the book anyway yeah yes yeah. yes yes, yes. Like, oh so <laughs> yes I can um my very first piece how you Set me is about how I um I grew up in a Haitian community well partially in New York and Queens and then my family moved us out to Virginia Beach which a lot of my other family members followed so we didn't really I left the you know New York Haitian community at five, six years old, and then again at 12 from Virginia Beach to Richmond. Um, And then we'd go back for summers. But my parents used to send me and my brother um, during summer times back to New York to spend with my grandmothers. So I don't know if people do that today, but we got sent for the summer (laughs) for a month or two. We got got sent from the summer from one end of the state to the other. So I I I said, my parents are like, bye, see you later. (laughs) Wow, we love you.
0: <laughs> right. Oh, my goodness. So we got to end up then talking about January 1st. Mm-hmm. Oh, so yes. Yes, I'm that's Haitian independence. Part of, you know, African history in, in mm-hmm. the diaspora. I have asked Haitians forever to adopt me into the fold. <laughs> um, I don't know if you know the history between Mobile, Alabama, and Haiti. No, I don't. So right before the Haitian Revolution began, um, the French tried to export or steal a lot of enslaved Africans from the island into Mobile because it was also a French colony. And so there are a lot of old wives' tales and oral histories in Mobile about people having ancestry on the island. Oh, but, you know, I've just always claimed it. Yes, why not? You, <laughs> you never know. know. You <laughs> never know. That's what... <laughs> you just don't know. So I wanted to be selfish, and I wanted to start with, Do you have, I know you have it there with you. Mm -hmm. The butterfly and the lion. I want to hear you read it. Sure. um, I was telling Christina, when I read this book, this particular piece, just, it did something to me. And so I kind of want to start with that. Sure, absolutely. Uh,
1: The butterfly and the lion. I'm thinking of burning it all down. The version of me who is running from everything I ever wanted. I am thinking of torching it and watching its splendid ashes float to the ground. Every time I step outside of my chalk-lined box or circle forever made around me, that is what I am doing. I am lighting the match. I am knocking down trees with my bare fist, not caring how bloodied my knuckles become, because I get to be the bulldozer and not the bulldozed. You may think it takes an act of gigantic proportion, but to me, it is whipping around Manhattan on tired feet last week or opening my mouth and letting the words fall out, letting them hang and sit for my sister to hear, the words I have longed to tell her for almost two years. I miss you. The act of taking of this class and not apologizing for sitting here on a Wednesday morning, every new thing, everything I hadn't seen myself doing, burns it down, slays a monster, feels like I could give a butterfly the strength of a lion, it closes the curtain of who I thought I was, what I should be doing. Fear of what someone would say or how lost I would become. That curtain doesn't get to come back up. Oh, M.G. <laughs> I
0: love it. Can
1: Thank you. Tell, you. Us, tell
0: us about what, what brought you to that.
1: Uh, I was actually sitting, I was uh, sitting in a class, on a, a writing class on a Wednesday morning thinking i was i had just i'll I'll go into a little bit of health background as to why i would be sitting as a grown woman on wednesday morning um i was uh, in the middle of a year-long flare with uh psoriasis which i have head to toe um generally and i was taking time off trying to decide pretty much what i wanted to do with my life did i want to go back to grad school um did i really want to pursue writing and i was sitting in my very first uh creative nonfiction class and I was thinking about all the things that I wanted to try, all the things I was wanted to do, all the things I was afraid of doing. And I also came to the realization that I was afraid of a lot of things. Um, And I didn't realize it. Like when I even wrote that line about whipping around Manhattan on tired feet last week, I had just went to Manhattan the week before with my husband, who was a country boy through and through and had never been anywhere outside of upstate New York very quickly to see his family. So being in Manhattan and Midtown, you know, being in Harlem and all that was a lot for him. But I took the lead and I was whipping around. I realized I was like, I've never done that before. You know, I left New York when I was much younger, but someone was always leading me around at that time. And my sister and I, um, we were always really close, but she moved to Charlotte about uh, 10 years ago now, but we had not spoken as much. Natural things happened, we both got married, you know, she had one more child, life moves on, but I realized we weren't close like we were, talking every day, um, chatting about our favorite shows, that kind of thing, we weren't doing that thing anymore. And I just realized how much I missed her, and I realized how afraid I was to say those words. And I was, I felt like in that piece, I was confronting um, all those fears, the little ones and the bigger ones. Wow. And I still am. I still want to give a butterfly the strength of a lion. Like, if, like I still want to. I still, like, I still am sometimes. Well, you gave me strength with it. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> you glad. gave me
0: with it. <laughs> I was telling Christina, you know, when we were in Tuscaloosa, the, the idea was to leave there with a project. And mm-hmm. some of you uh, who listen to the podcast faithfully have heard me talk about the book that just won't come, mm-hmm. and a lot of it is related to imposter syndrome and fears about being a certain kind of transparent. Mm-hmm. Um, and you you wrote, I, I read that you uh, said that you wrote the unzipped collection without fear. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why that piece appeals to me that way. Can you talk mm-hmm. about, because it's something so many black women face, sure. especially black women writers.
1: Yes. Can you talk about tackling fear when you're coming? Yes, absolutely. Um, I won't say without fear. I think my first instance is I wrote it despite fear because okay. even um, I didn't let the fear become bigger than my vulnerability and my need to be vulnerable. And it was a raw, strong urge that I had been, I wanna say harboring. Um, and I think, uh, I mean, we're still in the pandemic. Well, I will say at the first height of the pandemic, I will say that's the way to for me to properly categorize it because it's not a past thing at all. Um, I felt like we're inside and all these feelings kept bubbling up and it was just rage, embarrassment, fear, all the things I was scared to talk about. Mm. Um, Tiffany, when you go through a period of your life with your health, where I have PCOS, I have all those kinds of fibroids. I mean, I feel like black woman health issues, here Here we are, yes. And I was in the world. Yes, and I, it is feel, it's in my womb, that's how I feel. It's in my womb, it's on my skin, it's internal coming out, internal, I, sorry, internal becoming external. But I think it, I couldn't hold it all in anymore. Mm. That's how I felt as I was writing. I've been blogging for years, since 2016, And I had come to a point where I was like, what am I writing all of this for? Right. And Tiffany, this is where I, this is a God moment. I don't, I know if you, I think you do believe in those, but Mm -hmm. I had a moment where I was writing and looking at my blog posts and looking at things I had just written for myself over the years and thinking I should make this a collection and pitch it at this writing conference that happens here in Richmond, James River each year. And right about the time I was starting to put pieces together and thinking about it, my publisher called me and asked me to craft a collection. Wow. That's how this happened. So yes, I wanted to, and yes, the urgent, raw, need to be vulnerable was there, but I also got the call, a call I did not, I was not expecting.
0: Sometimes we don't expect the call, and I think, Mm -hmm. um, but you said something that really struck me just then. It's the idea that um, we minister to ourselves through writing. Mm -hmm. I think that's why Black women do it so well yes well, ministering to us necessarily yes. All the time. yes um we get to create a world that doesn't necessarily exist yet yes i can't take it anymore <laughs>
1: i love being <that laughs> able to do this how did you get into writing and storytelling um since i was a little girl I, as long as i've been into reading uh, i was into writing i would create stories um on my own i loved I love television, but not just to zone out. I was really interested in why people did the things they did, what happened. Of course, like a little kid, there was things I just zoned out to, but I knew I was very interested in what I was seeing. Like, I wanted to know what happened next. I was very curious, and I would read in the same way. I always wanted to know why, and then I wanted to emulate the the, the authors that I was reading, not understanding. I didn't know anything. and I was eight, nine, 10. I'd reading babysitter club books or whatever. I didn't know what any of that was really bad. I just thought, I want to do that. You know, like <laughs> right. I'm going to write this story and it's going to be, I'm going to be a famous author. And I, when I was 11, I actually thought about becoming a famous author at 11, 12 years old and coming back to my elementary school and speaking like I was a grown woman <laughs> at 11. I was, I dreamed in daydream very dramatically. That's how I, I was always like that. Yes. I think storytellers have that in common
0: right? Mm-hmm. That we we yes. um, literally are envisioning a world. Octavia, yeah. a prime example of, okay, I, I'm just going to be this thing. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to record that I am this thing and I'm going to become that thing. Yes. Um, and it's so powerful. You talk a lot about intention in your work and I see that come through in a lot of your pieces. Can you, for, for those of us entering 2022, you know, my big mm-hmm. thing is We have to be intentional about our health, our success, our financial well-being, our community unity. Um, Can you talk about just addressing and facing the world with intention?
1: I think if you, I'll go with what's kind of coming off out of the top of my head. I feel like if you don't, then you're kind of letting life happen to you. And whether you realize it or not, you are making a choice by letting life happen to you. So I feel like intention is just the flip side of that. You are choosing, you're choosing, you're consistently, and with consciousness making choices about your life, about the decisions you make about all the things you're talking about, your mental health, your physical health, you know, your spirituality, how you choose to spend your time, who you choose to spend your time with. It's, it's making your life happen. You may not know the end result. Um, Cause sometimes it's one of those things, like if you want to make God laugh, you know, make, tell him your plans, but yeah, <laughs> but sometimes he's, he's not laughing. He's, I believe he's cheering you on saying, yes, my daughter. Yes. My son, this is exactly what you're supposed to be doing. You're listening to me. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Thank you.
0: And it brings me back to the butterfly and the lion that there is this, Decision that we make to move forward despite everything. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes our biggest obstacles can be ourselves, and it requires real strength to overcome that. So Mm -hmm. again, I just want to thank you so much for that. Um, Speaking of real strength, though, Mm -hmm. (laughs) a lot when I read that you do strongman competitions. What is that, Christine? (laughs) (laughs) That's so. That's further inspiration. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) How
1: would you get into that? Okay, so I was at, it starts at a conference. So um, for a few years, I went to this conference called uh, The Summit of Greatness in Columbus, Ohio. This podcast host, excuse me, Lewis Howes, is, he does it all out in L.A., and but he's from Columbus. So he decided to start a conference in the Midwest where he was from and bring speakers out there. And I said, you know what, I, I enrolled in his um Greatness Academy when I was just in 2016, I was trying to figure out what I wanted my goals to be. And I said, okay, um, I'll go to this on a whim. I'm, I'm terrified. Uh, I had actually never taken, done an event, gone to an event by myself. So that's what I did. And I started loving it. So the last event I went to, I was at um, a dinner and this guy came up to me and we just started chatting about our lives. And he told me about his podcast and we very much connected. And then one day I listened to his podcast interviewing um, Joe DeSena. He is the leader of um, Spartan races. And I'm listening to my friend Jonathan talk about uh, uh, interviewing Joe and this great interview happens and Joe offers all Jonathan's listeners a free pass to complete the trifecta, which is three Spartan events within one year. And he would, Joe DeSena would cover it for Jonathan's listeners, whoever wanted to try so i listened to it i congratulated jonathan in an instagram comment and jonathan said are you in and i was like ah in my head i'm almost laughing and i was like don't you know she has lots of meats on her bones (laughs) and i just but i something in me said let me get back to you and i want to say that day or the next day i called my gym And I asked to speak with a trainer who had done obstacle course events so I could see, okay, if I could give this six months to train intensely, could I really do this? Met up with the trainer. She did this um, head to toe uh, uh, exam of some sort where, and she saw my muscle content was very high. And she said, I know you're training for Spartan. You have your mindset on this, but have you ever thought about strongman? And I said, no, what is that? (laughs) So she explains, I didn't even know what it was. So she was also into bodybuilding this, I mean, muscular, just fly, black, masculine girl, like just really like and everything, you know, she's just like, I mean, amazing. So she's like, this is what I want you to do. Just consider it. She's like, you have the muscle in your body, just train. So I started training three times a week, and then on one day towards the end of the week, I would do yoga to stretch my body out, hot yoga. And then I would, did an extra specialized uh, class and decided to sign up for my very first strongman competition, and that was um, last year in March of 2020. So there I was at 39, never played a sport in my life. I had only run 10Ks or 5Ks now and again, loved to do to go to dance classes and water aerobics now and again. but not an athlete by any stretch of the imagination. And here I was, you were. yes, at 39, <laughs> in all my 200 and boop, 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 <laughs> ready to lift and pull and all that thing. And I, the first time I, I have a piece in the book, I think you probably read I'm athlete ready, mm-hmm. where I talk about that feeling, where you're not, as a black woman in your late thirties, you're not supposed to, no one comes up to you and say, okay, athlete, unless you've already been doing it for a long time, and that's how people know you. Um, it's all the other things they expect from us.
0: Right.
1: Yeah. So that's what I started doing. I, I trained again this past, I couldn't compete again because of um, COVID, um, the rest of 2020. Um, this past summer, um, here I was masked up training again, I got to pull a truck for the first time um get out of here I love no are you yes you'll if you go on you go on instagram or whatever you'll see the video me and another girl were pulling a truck and then we push it all the way back um together that yeah that's that was my first experience ever pulling um cars and it was so much fun so much fun
0: do y'all hear how inspirational christina is like every, <laughs> every question i'm asking i'm like oh i gotta do that i can try that Yes, something that's really important to me that, that links all of this together. And it's mm-hmm. the idea that we can choose to be whoever we want to be. And I don't think it's a coincidence that we're recording on the second day of Kwanzaa, Lee, self-determination, define mm-hmm. ourselves for ourselves by. Ourselves. That's right. Um, mm-hmm. And the definition of what an athlete is, I don't think often we get, like you said, we get the opportunity to think of ourselves that way. Or even to think about, I can be an athlete. Let me start. Mm-hmm. It's not too late. It's, no. That's beautiful. Um, that complete ownership over your health. I love that you were able to speak to another Black woman, and she's mm-hmm. able to say to you, hey, did you know you, you are this strong? Mm-hmm. Like, we we never, well, let me let me speak for myself. I don't like to put things sure. on people. It's very difficult to find a doctor who will look at a woman who weighs 200 mm, mm, something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and them say you have this strength right because the conversation is always this is the deficiency mm-hmm. never this is the strength in your your body and this is mm-hmm. what you do to celebrate that strength so thank you for that but that complete ownership okay. brings me to another question i wanted to ask you um you wrote that hey, this is from your 11 your year old diary or journal, mm-hmm. that you always wanted to be a virgin mm-hmm. And I want to ask you two questions. Number one, since you're married, I'm I'm probably going to say that that didn't come true. No, it did not. <laughs>
1: Thankfully. <laughs> but number
0: two, because I think there's something there in an 11-year-old mind that says this may be the best way for me to be. Can you talk about that?
1: Yeah. I, I talked about earlier about how dramatic I was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought I was going to be, and you know, I wrote about it in, in the piece called The Cottage. I thought when I was that young, that I was gonna be on my own. I would grow up to be on my own in a cottage. I always pictured it. I would said the word, the state Vermont, even though I'd never been, I didn't know anybody from Vermont. I said, I'm gonna be in Vermont and I'm gonna be in my little cottage in the woods I don't even particularly love being in the woods, but in my head, that's where I was going to be. And I was going to be hunched over a computer or I think I had a typewriter in my mind or I was writing in a notebook. And I would literally envision like a quill pen. I would take it back centuries for no reason. And I sometimes I would have a shawl over my head. And I used to be obsessed with eating grapes. Okay. And I would either be eat, eating grapes by the window or if it was colder, I would be sipping hot cocoa. And I would just be by myself living this... I didn't even see it as lonely. I thought of this like very independent, um, successful writer who just wanted to be alone and write all the time. And I would tell all my little classmates about it. And my, I asked my parents, I was like, did you not think that was strange that your daughter would walk around telling people she was never going to have sex? She was going to be alone. They were like, we just thought it was a phase. You know, it was just like, okay, girl, that's fine. You, you puberty hasn't really hit yet. And they were right. Um, <laughs> But I look back at her and I'm, I feel as, I wrote a a post about this uh, when right after my book came out in March that I almost want to go back and hug her and high five her and tell her like, it worked out. Like we, we got to do this. We got to write a book and we got to be in interviews and talk to people about it. And you get to uh, teach writing classes. Like I almost want to go back and tell her, it maybe didn't look like how you thought it was going to look, but we did it. Like, that's how I feel. And I just, I mean, I want to comfort her because whether or not I think I thought I had to be this alone, dramatic person to be the kind of writer I thought I was going to be because I didn't know anything. <laughs> well, it's kind fed to us, right? It's kind of
0: fed to us. Like, because mm-hmm. when you were describing the scene, I'm like, oh, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. I think all little Black girls grow up, that want to be writers at least. Right. Grow up mm-hmm. imagining themselves gazing, you know, out of the window right I see snow in mine You're right. like, you know and then you got a, a mug of tea and it's just like, right. Music, right but but that's how we're conditioned to see these things exactly so that you've been able to craft that space for yourself inside of what's more natural for you is is just a testament to your strength in, in specifically Right, Black women have strength, and we often talk about Black women as a whole, but mm-hmm. I think it's important for us to embrace that we did this thing, that we did, you did this thing. Yeah. And I am so proud of you, Christina. I just, you, I'm about to boil over. I told Christina before we started recording that um, I needed to tell her how inspirational it is for me to read it. Um, and to see what is possible when we push past other people's definitions of things and we're able to define things for ourselves.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: So I had to have her on, y'all. I'm so excited. You make sure you go get the book, She Lives Here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christina, I know that you blog. Can you tell people where to find you on social media?
1: Yes, uh, you can find me at Christina Hamlet, uh, Alan, oh, Christina with a K and Hamlet with two T's on Instagram, same thing on Facebook, uh, and uh, Twitter at Stina Hamlet. And my website is uh, christinahamlet.com. So pretty simple. And I'll make sure
0: in the show notes for us. We'll make sure that all those are there and they're hot links. So you can just click and and join Christina. She is a wonderful spirit. And I think you're going to love this book. Oh. i am serious i'm gonna have you back and we're gonna talk about um i'm gonna see if i can get a couple of more of my friends that i've been trying to get me to adopt me into the haitian community <laughs> yeah <laughs> talk about um some good old soup jumo at the beginning jumo,
1: yes yes i'm gonna cook some on the first see yes
0: I'm, this is what i mean i used <laughs> to cook all the time when i lived in miami my, my sister oh to- So So you were on Haitians all the time. Yes. 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 I've been trying to get started to adopt me for a very long time. (laughs) So, Christina, thank you so much for coming out. And again, everybody, I'm going to put her information in the show notes. Make sure you follow and make sure you get the book. You're welcome.
1: Thank you for having me. Thank you.